Good morning, Woodmont. Welcome to worship. Uh, just a reminder, we have uh, two new classes starting Wednesday night. Uh, Dr. David Kidd, longtime uh, Presbyterian minister at Hillsborough uh, Pres here in town, is leading a Bible study on Genesis, and uh, Donovan Maccabee also leading a new creative writing, uh, spiritual writing workshop. Uh, would you uh, join me for a word of prayer? Loving God, open our hearts and minds that so we can hear a word from you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. You are our rock and you are our redeemer. Amen. Let me begin with a few stories uh, this morning that are relevant to our topic for today. The first is a story told about a man who was up fishing in a national park. He was uh, fishing in a lake and he was catching all kinds of fish. In fact, he caught about 12 fish in his first hour. And so what he did was he he put them all in a bucket and he started to walk back to his car. Well, the problem was the law said you could only keep three fish. And so as the man was walking back to his car, he encountered a park ranger. And the park ranger said, sir, can I see what's in your bucket? And he looked in and he said, I, I see you have 12 fish. The legal limit is three, so I'm going to have to arrest you. And very quickly, the man said, oh, no, no, these, these are my pet fish. Your pet fish? He said, yes. You see, I bring them to the lake, and I let them go, and they swim around for a while. And then I blow this horn underwater, and they all come back, and I put them back in my bucket, and then we go home. The park ranger really didn't believe him, and he said, well, if that's the case, then prove it to me. So the guys walked back down to the lake, and the man put the fish back in the lake, and he sat there and uh, three minutes went by, four minutes went by and the park ranger said, okay, let's, let's see you get your pet fish back into the bucket. With that, the man looked at the park ranger and he said, I don't have any pet fish. The other story is about a minister who was walking down the street when he came upon a group of uh, 10 to 12 year old boys and they were all uh, huddled around a dog. And uh, the boys had surrounded this dog, and, and uh, the minister was kind of concerned, so he walked up and he said, boys, what are you guys doing to this dog? And one of the boys replied, well, this dog is just an old neighborhood stray. We all want him, but only one of us can take him home. So we've decided that whichever one of us can tell the biggest lie will get to keep the dog. Well, of course, the, uh, the minister was, was taken back. He said, you boys shouldn't be having a lie-telling contest. He said, then he launched into this 10-minute sermon about how bad lying is. He said, don't you boys know that it's a sin to lie? And he ended by saying, when I was your age, I never told a lie. Well, there was a dead silence for about a minute. And just as the preacher was beginning to think that he'd actually gotten through to these boys, the smallest boy looked around, he gave a deep sigh, and he said, all right, the preacher gets to keep the dog. The ninth commandment in the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments, says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. And this commandment has two implications. The first is a prohibition against lying. And the second is a prohibition against spreading falsehoods 
about other people, which is also a form of lying. You see, false gossip can do a lot of damage to a person's reputation. I don't know if you've noticed recently, but we have a truth problem in our culture. And it really bothers me. Daniel Patrick Mooneyhan famously said, everyone is entitled to their own opinion, but not to their own facts. In our culture, we're getting to a place where facts seem to be up for grabs. And that's dangerous. What do I mean? Well, think about it. Some said the election was stolen. Others said, no, it was perfectly fair. Some say climate change is ridiculous or climate change is the existential crisis of our time. Vaccines will give you autism and and, and microchips or vaccines are extensively tested and they are perfectly safe. The stimulus money will help everybody or the stimulus money might only go to help the shareholders and not to the people that are in desperate need. Masks are stupid, they don't work. Or masks prevent transmission of the virus, so we should wear them. Virtual learning is going just fine. Or virtual learning is leaving many kids behind. This is what I'm talking about. We have a hard time agreeing on facts. And when you can't agree on facts, then you can't even have a conversation because everybody is existing in a different reality. And this is our postmodern dilemma, where truth seems up for grabs based on everybody's experience. Instead of having truth, we have his truth or her truth or their truth And I see it as a real problem because it goes well beyond simple disagreements. In his book, Morality, Jonathan Sachs has a chapter called Post-Truth. He says, in a world without an agreed upon basic moral code, do not expect truth to survive. That is our world today. The manipulative use of social media in the interests of economics and politics, wealth and power has led us directly into a post-truth era in which trust in public institutions is now at an all-time low. Sachs then goes on to say, without truth, no trust. Without trust, no society. Truth and trust create a world that we can share. What causes people to lie? What causes people to bear false witness? A lot of research has been done on this question over the years by psychologists and counselors. They've analyzed it and they've analyzed it. Data has been collected, books and articles have been written, but there are five consistent themes that I have discovered as to why people lie or don't tell the truth. The first is fear. 
We lie because we fear letting the truth be known. We're afraid of what others might think or say if we told the truth. Fear is also directly tied to having a lack of courage and a lack of self-confidence. Secondly, there's shame and guilt. There's a lot of shame and guilt in our culture which causes people to be afraid. People have done and will do things that they are not proud of, and then when they're asked about it, they will lie to cover it up or avoid talking about it. People would rather lie than have others find out the truth because for whatever reason, they are ashamed of the truth or ashamed of something they've done or said in the past. Then there's selfishness. People lie because they are looking out for themselves and they don't mind deceiving others or misleading others as long as it will continue to benefit them personally. When it comes down to it, almost all lying is basically selfish. We deceive another person to make ourselves feel and look better. The fourth reason is ambition. People lie because it will help them achieve something. It will help them move forward in their career. It will help them get more money or more prestige. It will help them earn the next position or get ahead of somebody else. That's what we see in politics all the time. Ambition, people willing to not tell the truth so they can hold power. The fifth reason that people lie is because they want to be nice and they don't want to hurt other people. This is especially true in the South. We lie because we don't want to hurt somebody else's feelings. We feel that the truth will actually do more damage than good, and so we don't tell the truth. In addition to the ninth commandment found in Exodus 20, there are multiple scriptures throughout the Bible that deal with the subject of lying or bearing false witness. Many of them are found in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs 12, 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. Proverbs 13, the righteous hate falsehood, but the wicked act shamefully and disgracefully. Proverbs 14, a faithful witness does not lie. Ephesians chapter 4, let no evil talk come out of your mouths, but only what is useful for building up as there is need, so that your words may give grace to those who hear. Colossians chapter 3, do not lie to one another. James chapter 3, no one can tame the tongue, a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord and Father, and with it, we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Human beings also have a problem with gossip, passing along things that we hear, not knowing if they are actually true. People love to gossip. We hear something and very rarely do we go and find out if it's true. We simply pass it along as though it's true. And what happens is people's reputations will hinge on hearsay. Perception often becomes reality. And if somebody makes up a rumor and starts passing it along, then others will just assume that it's true. 
But God emphatically says, do not bear false witness against your neighbor. One time when he was preaching on this commandment, John Calvin said, we need to consider why God gave us our tongues and why he gave us speech. The reason being that we might be able to communicate with each other. And what is the purpose of human communication if it isn't our mutual support and charity? And seeing that God has given it to us for the purpose of nurturing tender love and fraternity with each other, may we not abuse it in order to gossip. The great St. Augustine addressed this topic. One time he says, a lie consists in speaking falsehood with the intention of deceiving. And then he said, we owe it to one another as creatures of a God to tell one another the truth. And from nowhere do we lie more readily than in the easy speech of every day. Truthfulness, Augustine said, requires work. Lying is lazy. Catherine Schultz wrote a great book called Being Wrong. And in the book, she says, a whole lot of us go through life assuming that we are basically right, basically all the time, about basically everything, about our political and intellectual convictions, our religious and our moral beliefs, our assessment of other people, our memories, our grasp of facts. As absurd as it sounds, when we stop to think about it, our steady state seems to be one of unconsciously assuming that we are very close to omniscient. Now, there's a very big difference between lying and being wrong. And we shouldn't be afraid in life to admit the times when we are wrong. We shouldn't be afraid to say, I'm sorry I was wrong. I'm sorry I was misinformed. We let our ego and our pride get in the way and we feel like we can't apologize. We can't show weakness. But actually apologizing and saying I was wrong is a sign of strength, not weakness. In John's gospel, our text this morning, Jesus famously said, if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. As Christians, we believe that Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And Jesus shows us the way to God the Father. But how does truth set us free? How does it liberate us? How does it help us to live a moral and respectable life? Let me leave you this morning with these four thoughts about what it means when Jesus says, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. First, the truth sets us free because it allows us to be ourselves. If you tell the truth, then you have nothing to worry about. If you are familiar with recovery groups like AA and Al-Anon, many of which meet at this church historically, it's been challenging over the past year. But if you look at why these groups have tended to be more successful than the church at helping people heal, you'll discover that at these meetings, at these gatherings, people are honest. They are vulnerable. They have hit rock bottom and they don't have anything else to hide. Maybe the church should take a lesson from these groups and we should realize that it's okay to tell each other that we don't have it all together, that we're all broken, we're all struggling, 
We all need support and encouragement and forgiveness and grace. We all need to be willing to admit that, especially during a pandemic that's been going on for uh, coming up on 11 months. Secondly, the truth sets us free because when we tell the truth, we don't have to worry about what we said. People that lie on a regular basis have to keep up with their lies. And oftentimes they have a hard time remembering what they have lied about and that's when they get caught in the lie. If you tell the truth, you don't have anything to hide or anything to worry about. And that's a much healthier and happier way to live. Third, the truth sets us free because we get to know other people for who they really are and not for who they are pretending to be. So many people in our culture put up fronts and pretend to be something that they're not. People pretend to have more money than they do. They pretend to be more successful than they really are. They pretend to have more friends than they really do. And when we act like this, the sad part is we have no idea when we meet people who we're actually dealing with because we don't know who they really are. All we know is who they're pretending to be. And fronts can only be sustained for so long before they get discovered. There is absolutely no substitute for being a real, authentic person who is in touch with reality. Every person is uniquely created in the image of God. And so we don't have to pretend to be somebody that we're not. And then lastly this morning, the truth sets us free because the truth is what God expects from us. It's what Christ expects from us. We can fool lots of people in this world, but we can never fool God. We can get other people to believe all kinds of things about us, but we cannot deceive God. God knows our hearts and God asks us to be truthful, to be honest, to be authentic. As the Lord said to Samuel when he was looking for the next king of Israel and he came across that young shepherd boy, David, he said, do not look on his appearance or on the height of his stature for I have rejected him for the Lord does not see as mortals see. They look on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And how true that is. People are so concerned with outward appearance. People are so concerned with where you live and where you work and what you drive and where your kids go to school and where you're going to go for spring break. But God simply isn't. God is concerned about your heart and what's in your heart. And that's the truth. And accepting that truth, I believe, is what sets us free in life. My dad told a story about going to a doctor's appointment. And when he went in to get his lab work done, um, the lady who was there uh, down at Centennial Medical Center at the Frisk Clinic taking his blood and he asked her, he said, do you have your vaccine? Have you gotten your vaccine yet? And the lady said, uh, no, they offered it to all of us, but I didn't take it because uh, there's a lot of people that are older 
and in poor health. And I just thought that, that I could wait and I could let them have the vaccine first. That's unselfishness. That's Christianity. That's the truth that sets us free. Now, sometimes the truth hurts. And sometimes we need to learn to speak truth in love. And sometimes the truth is inconvenient. And sometimes the truth is not what we want to hear. But Jesus says, it sets us free. And I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be set free because all of us struggle with so many things. But the truth will set us free. Amen.